falls in the air here in Southern California. What a great day it is to love, praise, and worship the Lord our God. We want to encourage you this day uh, in your walk in Christ. Say this with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My source. My source. And my blessing. And my blessing. For true happiness and victory in this life. Now today we want to talk about the kingdom of his power, of which we are a part as believers in Christ Jesus. But first, Christy's got a quick word to share with you. All right. Well, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us. And as the shirt says, hello world, hello USA. Uh, just wanted to update you. Some of you already noticed, um, we updated our handles on all of our social media. So now you can search as Pastor Scott Huffman. Um, so that's across the board, including the podcast. And we're also up on Spotify, which is very exciting. So Great. all of you music lovers, you can now hear the podcast through that avenue. And we're in the top 10% of over 2.4 million podcasts worldwide, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty amazing. So we're doing really, really well. So we just thank you for being um, listeners and and um, just committed to our ministry. Um, also, we, we really encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, you can yes. purchase Pastor Scott Huffman, really trying to grow that ministry. And so eventually we can go live um, on that platform as well. I did a message from Israel. We were in Israel a few years ago. And I was at the, we were at the very site where Jesus was scourged. And um, we looked it up and we hit 37,000 views on that particular um, Video. video. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Praise God. Those that ones, was on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, those ones are up there. So we have like so many um, past messages, so many years of right. messages. And on what there. is our, our website? So our website is lnlighthouse.org. lnlighthouse.org. Check it out. You can see all the social media forms on there, right? Yep. As well. Oh, yeah. Or lighthouseworldwide.org. Praise God. We also God. have that website Hallelujah. too that takes you to our website. All right. All right, let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Psalm 63, 1 and 2. These are the words of King David. Okay. Psalm 63. All right, and this is a great verse for the morning. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Praise God. David looked for the Lord in the sanctuary to see his power and glory. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Let's pray, Lord. We thank you and praise you for your power and your glory. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that falls right now upon the people that are listening. Lord, give them an unction for you, Lord. Give them a hunger and thirst for God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, a kingdom is a territory ruled by a king or queen. We know in England they just had a change mm -hmm. of their monarchy, and now uh, the queen has passed, and there's a new King Charles. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. As believers, which of course is ruled by God himself. The kingdom of God is one of the key elements of the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. In fact, it's used over 80 times. It is, in essence, the kingdom of God is a power and a presence. God's power and presence revealed or manifested to us. The Bible says the kingdom doesn't consist in word, but in power. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. 
And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we need a demonstration of the spirit and power in our world today. The kingdom of God consists of peace, joy, and righteousness in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now let's take a closer look at God's power. Catherine Coleman, the great healing evangelist, said, If you find his power, you'll find his treasure. And I remember seeking after the power of God many years ago. The power is the hand of God moving amongst us. God says he hides his power in his hands. Now this is an anthropomorphic term used to describe God in human terms. Let's look at Habakkuk 3.4. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. Wow. Rays flashing from his hands and there's where the power was hidden. After I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to feel his power in my hands. The Bible says in the book of Acts, God did mighty miracles through the hands of the apostles. Power changes things, you know, and sometimes very rapidly. We need God's power now more than ever before. We need to see the kingdom of God come with mighty power. He's going to do this very soon. I believe a worldwide revival is coming and it's about ready to shake up our world like never seen before. Now, there are two words to describe power in the New Testament, dunamis and exousia. Dunamis is miracle power, miraculous power, which is explosive in force and unction. Exousia, in contrast, is delegated authority. For instance, for an example, you have a police officer who's directing traffic. Now, he has delegated authority, and when he puts his hand up, the cars are supposed to stop. Uh, if they don't stop, then they're subject to arrest. That delegated authority allows him to stop cars. He can't physically stop them, but, but his delegated authority allows him to stop traffic. We've been given the same rights in Christ. Let's look at Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, what is reference to serpents and scorpions? Anybody? It's the work of the enemy in our life. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We have spiritual authority over the enemy in our lives. A lot of people are letting the devil mess with them. The Bible says resist the devil and he will what? Flee, Flee from you. We have authority over him in the name of the Lord. In the word of God, there's a war over territory between God and Satan. Did you know land is an important concept in the scripture? Probably you never thought about that. It began with the fight for Mother Earth. Satan gained ownership of the earth and the title deed in the Garden of Eden when he usurped this authority from Adam. He tricked Eve, deceived Eve, and he uh, received the authority that Adam and Eve had to govern the earth. And he became the god of this world at that point. Believers regained, praise God, possession of the earth when Jesus died and rose again. He stopped Satan or I should say he stripped Satan of his authority and power over the earth. Jesus said, I have the keys or authority or power of the earth, and I have authority over hell and death itself. Let's look at Revelation 1.18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. We're called to possess the land and take back the enemy's land and strongholds over people's lives. Matthew 11.12. 12. 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. We must enter in and possess the kingdom. We've been given delegated power to do so, and miracle-working power to destroy the works of the enemy. See, Jesus, his purpose was to come and to give his life a ransom for many to die. But he also came to destroy the works of the enemy over people's lives, to break the power of Satan over people's lives, to let the captives go free, to open the eyes of the blind. Praise God. And he also said, I came that you might have life, that you might have spiritual life to the fullest. Let's look at 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Abraham was the man of faith. He was called to walk in the land and take possession of it. We are called to do likewise. Let's look at Genesis 13, 15 through 17. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk on the land through, the, through its length and its width, for I give it to you. You know, I want to encourage you that we should walk through the land, in a sense, in our lives, to possess the land, and we should claim that victory in our homes, in our jobs, in our nation, in the world. Praise God. And you know, there is a fight for land today in the Holy Land, in Israel. Now, the Jews possess the land, but the Palestinians want to possess as well, and there's great conflict. The land of Israel represents the land of our possessions and our wealth in Christ that we are to possess in this life. Let's look at Obadiah. Maybe you didn't know that was in the Bible. One seventeen. All right, Obadiah, one of the minor prophets, right? Yes. Okay. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. We should possess our possessions in this life. You know, God always promises deliverance from our afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. I remember walking through the quad at Gar High School years ago, and I was walking across the quad. The Lord spoke very definitively to me and said, uh, wherever your feet tread, I've given unto you. Hallelujah. That same promise was given to Joshua and Moses. Christianity is about possessing our possessions in this life. God told Joshua to take the land that was given unto them. Let's look at Joshua 1, 3, and 6. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. Be strong and of good courage to this, to this pe for this people you shall divide as an inheritance in the land, which I swore to their fathers to give to you. Only be strong and very courageous. So Israel was called to possess the land, and Joshua was their leader. Remember out in the wilderness they were part of the 12 tribes that spied out the land. Ten brought back a bad report. And because of their unbelief and doubt, they discouraged the people, and the people perished in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. They fully followed after the Lord, and they were allowed to possess their possessions and enter the promised land. You see, ownership is not possession necessarily. The children of Israel had to possess the land that was granted to them in the Old Testament. They failed to do so, as I just mentioned, because of their unbelief. And this happens so many times in the Christian community. People fail to possess that which is rightfully theirs because they don't exercise faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and a rewarder, and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. 
The land is the place of absolute and resolute victory and the power to overcome all things in this life. These are the words of Jesus, John sixteen thirty three. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world. We can overcome the world. You're an overcomer in Christ. Just because we own the promises of God, we still must possess and enter into them by faith. Mm -hmm. Now, this is important because the promises are there in the scripture, over mm -hmm. 20,000 promises, but they must be activated through faith and exercised by faith to receive the benefits from them. Mm -hmm. Hebrews three fourteen through 19. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it I who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now it was whom he was angry for forty years. Was it those who sinned, those corpses fell? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So they didn't enter the rest because they didn't obey. And really what that really means is they didn't believe God. God said, I've given you the land, go possess it. And they said, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. There's too many obstacles in the land. Sometimes we say that. I can't do it. Lord, too many obstacles, too many difficulties, too many things coming against me. We're like grasshoppers in their sight, they said. And because of their unbelief, they did not possess the land. Now look at chapter 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains the entering of his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not beginning mixed with faith. You see, the word must be mixed with faith to profit you. And I remember when I had entered into that believer's faith rest, it was a whole new experience for me in Christ. I ceased from my works, trying to please God in my own effort, and I entered into his rest and into his works. And that is the rest of faith. And that's a place of victory and power. Praise God. All the promises the Bible says are yes and amen. So many believers miss this. And they fail to possess what is rightfully and judicially theirs because they don't exercise faith in the promises of God. You say, oh, pastor, you keep talking about faith. Well, faith pleases God. And we must exercise faith to please God and to receive the blessings of God. And that requires our part. God does his part, we must do our part. They let the devil steal what is rightfully theirs out in the wilderness, and they, people today as believers still let the devil steal from them, and they don't have to do that. They can possess their possessions. You know, I've always thirsted and hungered for God and his power in my life. I prayed for it and received it. Years ago at a teacher's meeting, I've shared this many times, but it's worth repeating, as I was waiting on the Lord in a teacher's meeting, the Holy Spirit, like warm oil, fell on my head, and it rolled down my head, down through my whole body, and filled me up with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was forever changed by that experience. I received his power that day, and I received his love. And I remember going out to these teachers and hugging them and telling them, I love you, I love you. And they were like, dude, <laughs> what are you talking about? But I had the presence and the agape love in me and the power of God. And that's when I began to experience God's power in my hands. And I realized there's supernatural power flowing through my hands to bring healing and deliverance and mighty miracles to people that receive it. You know, guys, we must seize the kingdom. If we don't, no one else will. 
we take the kingdom by force, by effort, by pressing into it. We read Matthew eleven twelve: the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. God's power is really a mighty shaking. Let's look at Hebrews twelve twenty six. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he was he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shall not I shall shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. God's gonna shake once again heaven and earth in this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Can you believe this guys? We're gonna see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's ever occurred in human history. You know, I've had a few experiences with shaking throughout my life. God has shaken my body physically. Uh, if, if you've never been shaken by God, you should ask God to shake you, <laughs> shake you to awake you, <laughs> to break you, to make you. Hallelujah. We must believe and speak his power into existence over this world to bring about creative change and to bring forth the miraculous. Jesus did this. He modeled it. We can do the same. Let's look at Mark eleven twenty through 24, a very familiar passage on faith. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up by the roots. No, stop there. So here we see Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And when he spoke to the fig tree, did it dry up by the roots immediately? No. No, the next day, they noticed the effects of the working of faith. Go ahead, Christy. <clears throat> and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his or her heart, but believes those things that he or she says will be done, he or she will have whatever he says. She'll have whatever you say. Mm -hmm. Jesus said three times you say it, one time you believe it. We better do a lot more speaking according to the word of God. Amen? Mm -hmm. We have believed, therefore we speak. And it's by our words that we create things in this life. God created the world through the power of the spoken word. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And uh, we are to exercise faith in the same dimension, just as Jesus did. Verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We believe first and then we receive. So we believe, we speak, and we receive. Now, finally, the promise of power has been given to believers. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. This is the prayer of Paul to the Ephesian church. The eyes of your, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that he, you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches and glory of his inheritance in the states, saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Stop right there. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who believe? believe. The key is to believe. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to receive his power in your life and to see God move and bring about amazing and powerful, miraculous things that will come to pass if you speak it and believe it. Hallelujah. We are to possess his kingdom and possess his power and take the land for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the word of God. We thank you for the power of God. We thank you for the kingdom of power. We pray now, Lord, for the lost, for those that don't know Christ. You're somewhere out now listening and viewing this broadcast. The Lord brought you to this broadcast. It's your day for salvation. Today is the day. Pray this prayer if you need Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me for being buried and, and ra rising again from the dead. I receive you now as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Change my life. Make me a new person in Christ. I give thanks and praise. I'll follow you and love you all the days of my life. Now, 
for those believers that have slipped away, you Christians that are not walking with God, it's time to return. It's trying to come back to your first love. You've departed. Come back, says the Lord. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I've drifted away. I used to be so close to you, walk with you, sing praise to you, love you, be in your word. I want to come back to that same experience. I want to leave the wilderness and come back into the promised land. Come near to me, Lord Jesus, as I draw near to you. In your precious name, I pray. Well, praise God. God's going to hear those prayers. And good things are coming, guys. Keep believing God. <laughs>